Hi, and welcome to More Human, More Resources, the HR podcast for entrepreneurs. I'm Vicki Brown, your host and CEO of Vidomineo Enterprises. As a serial entrepreneur, I understand that having the right expert help has been critical to my success. That's why I'm dedicated to telling you, in plain language, what's going on in the world of HR that might impact your business and what you need to do about it with real actionable tips to help you master that list of must-dos and grow your leadership muscle. First things first, the information contained in this podcast is provided for general purposes only and is not to be considered legal advice. Your decision to adopt or not adopt any practice or procedure mentioned in this podcast is solely yours and we bear no responsibility for the outcome. We urge you to always consult legal counsel and other appropriate licensed professionals. And with that, let's get into the show. You're listening to Season 3, Episode 39. Yeah, there are a lot of them, and they're small, and mostly go unnoticed, until they are. Am I talking about termites? Nope. But I am talking about something potentially equally destructive, those seemingly small, inconsequential employment compliance issues that rarely get thought of or talked about. Oh, you hear about the big ticket items all the time, misclassifying employees as independent contractors, not paying overtime, or paying below the minimum wage. I'm sure you've all heard the horror stories. In fact, you've heard some of them from me. But in this episode, I'm going to focus on some of the tiny, easy-to-miss compliance items that can cause you a huge headache later. Now, some of these are federal rules, but I do have to admit, many of them are state-based, specifically California-based. But before you go all, I don't live in California, so I don't have to worry about all that. Just remember that many, in fact, most states have their own flavor of, say what now, regulations. So make sure you check on your specific state. And as an added bonus, I've included a link to the 2023 state-by-state updates. I think you'll find it handy. Anyway, back to the termites, uh, I mean compliance issues. Like I said, there are a lot, but I'm going to do a call out of my top five. First up, the pay stub. Well, the first thing is you have to have them. Don't laugh, that's not the case in every state, but in California and 36 other states, you are required to provide access to a digital, written, or printed pay stub. Again, different states have different guidelines. But in most states, you have to provide a pay stub. Now, I know you might be thinking, why should I worry about that? My payroll company takes care of all that. Well, because even if you do have a payroll company, the final responsibility is on you. And again, while the payroll company may be providing some sort of pay stub, does it include all the required information? Again, from a California perspective, The pay stub has to have the employee's name and the last four of their social or their employee ID number. It needs to list the pay period that the payment covers. The wages have to be itemized for non-exempt employees, meaning how many straight time hours, how many overtime hours, how many vacation hours, etc., and the corresponding rate for each. It also has to show the gross wages. That's their pay without any deductions and the total hours worked for the period. Of course, that all sounds normal, but here's the thing. The stub also has to have company information on it, so the company name and address has to also be included. 
And since we're talking about the pay stub, you are also required to provide your employees with information about their sick time. That was part of the California sick time law that went into effect in 2015. That law requires you to give the amount of sick time taken and the amount remaining to each employee on their pay date. Now, you can provide it under separate cover if you want. In fact, we do. But most companies elected to simply start tracking sick time in their payroll systems and putting the required info on the pay stubs. Next up is accounting for meal periods. There are very specific rules around when and how much time you have to give an employee for their meal period. Normal non-HR people call this lunchtime. Anyway, they have to take it no later than the fifth hour of working, except in specific circumstances. And if they don't, or if they don't take at least 30 minutes, then you, the employer, automatically owes a penalty of one hour's pay. Oh, and by the way, that goes for any missed break times, too. The penalty is one hour's pay, even though a break is usually only 15 minutes. You see, you aren't compensating them for the actual time. You're paying a penalty for violating the rule. It's just that the penalty is being paid directly to the employee. So you have to check each pay period to see if you have any missed or short meal periods, or if anyone notified you that they didn't take their break. Because if that happens, you need to put that one hour penalty on that very payroll run so you don't incur any additional fees. And a quick word about time cards for overtime eligible employees. They have to have them. It's the only record you have of when they worked. Believe me, if you're just going on their word or what you think you saw, well, you're going to be in a world of hurt if something gets challenged. Because as the employer, the burden of proof is going to be on your shoulders and you'll have nothing to stand on. So make sure that you're getting time cards submitted by the employee and approved by their supervisor or manager for each pay period. And please make sure it's not just a piece of paper that says nine to five straight down the line. Believe me, if you're audited, that will get challenged. The time card should also show when the meal period was taken. Now, there are various opinions on whether or not it should show rest breaks. I'll just say that most companies we work with don't track breaks on their time cards. Now, a quick word about I-9s, because there are lots of little rules around I-9s and they can really hang you up. First of all, you have to give them the whole form, including the instructions. Lots of companies miss this step because the instructions are a separate document, but it has to go with the I-9 to the employee. Next, Section 1 has to be completed by the employee, so no, you can't just fill it in for them. And Section 2 has to be completed by the employer no later than three days after the person starts. You can't, I repeat, you cannot request specific documents. So saying something like, give me your driver's license and social security card is a huge no-no. Just give them the form, have them read the list of acceptable documents, and then provide you with the appropriate documents for their circumstance. Now, you have an option here. You can keep a copy of the documents or not, as you wish. But whatever you decide to do, you have to be consistent. So if you do copies, do copies for everyone. And if not, then don't for anyone. By the way, that choice doesn't exist for remote document verification. If you're doing the remote option, you have to keep copies. And finally, make sure you aren't filing I-9s in with the personnel files. That's an easy find for the auditor. They have to all be kept together in a separate file, electronic or hard copy, but away from the personnel files. 
And last but not least, make sure you have up-to-date federal and state required posters. I'm sure you, like many of us, get those notices from poster companies saying we have to purchase. Well, I will say that's one of the easiest options to get them from a vendor or your HR consultant. We, in fact, provide them for our clients. But either way, remember, there are sections where you'll need to fill in some information. Don't ignore that part and simply slap the posters on the wall without that info. It's a requirement. Now, if you want more HR goodness, I've put together a tool that can help you through your day. The Ultimate HR Workflow Guide. Listen, I understand the challenges you might be facing, especially when you're juggling multiple roles in your organization. That's why I designed the Workflow Guide to walk you through HR tasks. No jargon, no fluff, just clear, concise, actionable workflows. It covers recruiting, new hires, terminations, and more. So if you think a free step-by-step -step workflow is just the ticket to help you through your HR day, well, you're right. So grab your free copy by using the link in the show notes. If you found this information helpful, please leave a review and tell a friend. Thanks for spending the time. Until next week, same time, same place.